Australians love property. We love investing with it. We love playing with it. We love doing it up and we love selling it to make money. But some people who love it even more than that are people whose financial future is not secure. That's where this next guest comes in. She's built a school to teach different people who are interested in real estate and then has a soft spot and helps people, particularly women, who need that boost up. Also, she has a few other strategies to help them get the basic financials sorted. She's done amazing stuff and has had a huge variety of careers. But today, we're going to be talking to her about property, how to get in there, how to make it work, and how do you build a property school? Let's find out how. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. And today, we are in for a treat. I'm very excited about our guest because she is the girl who knows all about renovating and making money from property and helping other people make money from property. She's been doing it for many, many years. She has fought the urge to use the colorful language of tradies, but is not afraid to use it if she needs to get it done. From the School of Renovating, would you please welcome Bernadette Jansen. Welcome to the show, Bernadette. Thanks so much, Warwick. I'm very pleased to be here. Hey, I'm going to ask the same question I always do to start things, and that is, how do you define success? From someone who has obviously got a property portfolio yourself, you've helped others with it, I'm really interested in how you personally define success. Okay, so really how I define success is... Um, if I'm living a life that fulfills my values and I've got, um, and I'm enjoying it. That's basically how I define success. So for me, um, my business is a um, passion project, I think you would say. And, um, and that, I guess, falls into that ethos. So basically, I, I love doing projects myself but more than that I really love seeing uh, the women that I work with uh, like transforming their lives feeling empowered and in control of their lives and having the tools to really get what they want and I also like I'm not really that money driven which is I know a bit odd for property people but um, I you know like I also need want I'm successful if I've got enough money to do what I want to do, basically. I'm, I'm interested with the School of Renovating. So when did you start it? And did you start out to being focused purely on providing this education for women? Or has it just evolved into that? How, tell me about that, that path. Well, the decision to start the School of Renovating was a very deliberate one. I'd been renovating for a long time. And I, seriously, I had been pretty unsuccessful I think you'd say like I didn't lose money but I really wasn't making a lot of money like I was just really you know yeah I was having a lovely time but I wasn't focused enough on the strategy and the money and when I got to I hit 50 I realized that you know what I've got to lift my game because you know I'm staring down the um, barrel of 
my twilight years and it's not looking pretty. And so that's when I really started getting um, really intentional about um, getting, um, uh, being more strategic and making sure that I had my retirement um, adequately financed. And so then, so I was doing projects, but I was finding it quite lonely. Um, so that's one of the things you would know when you're working on a site and all you've got the trades to talk to, it's not, you know, it's not really very inspiring. And, um, and I knew that there was a massive need for women in my age group in particular to actually lift their game financially. And I had, I had successfully, um, I guess, turned the ship around and I saw that this, by, by building the school, that I, it was an opportunity for me to share that with, um, with women in particular. Gen like, I do have some men. It's not like I'm against having men in my program, but I know that I can impact the lives of women who think that they have no hope. And so that's why I started it, because I wanted to have that sisterhood myself and to provide it for others. So that's what I do. So there is this great Australian dream of property and, and people talk about the American dream and I'm sure other countries as well have this. And you've said you were doing these renovations for quite some time, but not sort of quite getting ahead. I'm a big believer in learning from other people's mistakes. So I'd love to hear, you know, for some people, the property dream becomes a nightmare. What were some of the biggest mistakes you made when it was just you thinking, oh, yes, I can do this all myself? So the biggest mistake was that I was married and still am married to a gorgeous man who was equally as addicted to renovating. And he, um, he is quite um, senior in the construction industry, so he has lots of skills. And my biggest mistake was thinking it was about building. Okay, so we were all about doing a fantastic job. Like we, our renovations always get top price, you know, so it's not that, but I wasn't strategic enough about the types of properties I bought and, um, and how I managed that renovation. So I sort of really equate the turnaround to actually marrying up his um, professional project management skills and construction skills to with my sort of, housewife resourcefulness I know that's a bit um but you know what I mean so exactly what you yeah mean. so being a bit sort of savvy about how we went ahead because if you and I see this time and time again now when I have students renovating if you um rely on the um the guidance of a builder or a tradesman to do your renovation you won't make money generally that's a big generalization because um, they are looking at it from a totally different perspective and most of the profit gets made before you even get on site. So talk to me just quickly, you know, without giving away all your trade. Yeah. What are some of the key foundation parts of this strategy? Is well, you know what? I'm really happy to give away the trade secrets because if I can shorten someone's learning curve, that's, you know, that's awesome. Give us your trade secret. <laughs> okay. So the main, so the first one is, um, so the first one is actually having a understanding what represents value for a buyer. So if you're buying, renovating and selling, you've got to figure out what it is that the buyer in your area um, values and will pay for. Because 
when you, particularly when you've got to build a husband and you go to renovate a property, you just gut it, basically. Everything is new and, um, and so that costs a lot of money. And of course, you think you've done a fantastic job. You've got the best Tasmanian oak timber floors. Um, you know, you've just, you know, done it to a T. You've been, you know, always managed the costs on what you spend. But, um, and when you get to the end of it, you've got a superb property. However, the costs mean that you have to price it at a point where most people won't pay for it. Okay, so that's the first thing. So understanding what your buyers want and, um, and what they will pay for. And that comes from research. So researching your market thoroughly, not going to a few opens, but going to something like, you know, 60 or 70 open inspections and understanding your market. The next thing is to um, buy the right property. Okay, because it's the property that provides the opportunity. So you can have two properties side by side and look at them and to deliver what your buyer will um, value in the first one will cost you a lot more than in the second one. So you can't make a profit out of it. So you've got to get the right property with the right things wrong with it to be able to make a profit. Is that the kitchen's crappy and the bathroom's crappy so they're an easy fix up so it's going to look better? Yeah. Yeah. Veneer house versus a, a weatherboard. What, what sort of things? So, so I, so early in our piece, we used to do a lot of structural renos. Okay, so um, and uh, and there's a lot of risk with that because you've got council approval. You know, you open up a house and it opens up a can of worms, sort of thing. And so I came up with the idea that there's a sweet spot, and I call that cosmetic plus. So it's a bit more than a cosmetic reno. It's not a purely cosmetic reno, but it's not a full structural. You might need approval like a complying development. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. Okay, so it's a really quick approval process to maybe take out a wall or something like that. But um, on the whole, it's a you know just a bit more than a cosmetic reno. It it would it might be that you can take. This is a really common one. This one I love. Take a wall out between a. Um, the kitchen and the living area and really opening that up and delivering the wow. Um, and yeah, so, but you know, for instance, I had a student recently who had already bought the property when we came together. And unfortunately there wasn't enough profit in the project to start with, which is um, a common mistake. And the secondly, that there were just too many, um, too many sort of underlying problems in the property that basically she's spending all her budget on fixing up the problems before she gets into the reno. So do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. spend all this time getting rid of your termites, replacing yeah. all sort of stuff before you even start going, now let's exactly. make and nobody will pay you an extra ten grand because you had to remove ten thousand dollars worth of asbestos. Yeah. So so that's really the trick. And we have, there are different strategies that work in different areas as well. So, you know, like I've got a student, I've got two students actually that are renovating two-storey, they're creating a two-storey home out of a single-storey home. And so, um, and the, um, because of the area they're in, they're in inner city, like where the market is very upwardly mobile professional couples. And so the profit on those is enormous. Um, if I'm, you know, like if you're looking at a more of a regional area, well, I don't like to go too regional um, because the smaller the market, the more challenging it is profit-wise. 
I'd be maybe looking at adding a land component to it to push up the profit margin. Does that make sense? Adding a land component. So I'd probably look at a house that had enough land that you could either, either a splitter block where there's two um, blocks on one title or a, um, you know, a house that you could subdivide off a block of land. So where you do a quick, I call it a quick and dirty reno on the house um, and sell that off. So with that one, obviously you're going to, pull back your reno scope because once you've chopped off the backyard your market you're in a different league in terms of your market uh, but there can be really good profit in those projects um, just by looking for a property where you can add that extra level does yeah. that make sense yeah yeah for sure yeah hey um uh, so i know a lot of people love the idea of property they think yeah and they want to get into it but the biggest barrier is i have no money yeah yeah in Australia, we've had our Royal Commission into banking and there's different financial products out there. How do you go about helping people get money? Okay. So, um, so we call it the golden triangle. You need three things. You need the ability to get an investment loan. You need round about, if, depends whether you're selling or holding, but if you're selling, you need 30 to 40% of that property's value in cash or equity that you can access and you need the time to be able to do the project. So if you are missing one of those, um, there's a couple of ways you can deal with that. And the most obvious way is to do a joint venture, okay? Um, I think, personally, I love joint ventures. I think I've just finished my eighth. Um, I love them because I love, you know, I'm a people person, I love doing a project with someone else. And I think that there are a lot of benefits to that. It's, it's more fun, um, you've got someone to bounce ideas off and so on. However, it does add a layer of risk. And so I always say to the people I work with, if you're going to, into a joint venture, you've got to expect that at some point in time, you're going to hate that person that you're, it's like getting married, you know? You've got to work on the relationship and basically you've really got to sort of give yourself an attitude check before you go into it. So um, expect that there will be challenges and when people are pressured, that seems to bring out the worst in them. And just really um, come at it with an open heart, really be present to the fact that by doing a joint venture with someone, you're getting an opportunity that you would not have in any other circumstance and just suck it up and move on and and is part of that when you're going into this partnership do you plan for the worst and have some kind of partnership arrangement so oh there yeah yeah absolutely so we use belt and braces basically um and so uh yeah so you do need to um have a very well constructed uh joint venture agreement and you also implement you use legal structures also to help you um to protect assets and 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 keep everything moving forward and i actually i i sort of always think is it murphy's law i always no i always think that if you plan for the worst and you 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 sort of thrash that out be, between you that in it that conversation in itself helps to um you know uh troubleshoot and you know, ward off problems. It is that very mature discussion up front saying we have the best of intentions. Life happens if we need to separate, if we if things yeah. go crap, yeah. Deal with it. And by having that discussion, we're forewarned, forearmed. So if a situation happens, it goes, 
that's covered. We're going to just keep working through it. Yeah. And also you have it written into the contract that yep. what happens if, you know, if one partner dies, if one partner gets divorced, what, you know, whatever, well, there's a few bad scenarios and plan for the worst and usually that's okay. The other thing, sorry to jump in there, but the other thing that we do in terms of finance, so we have a lot of women that come to us who've had a really crap time, okay? So they've come out of disgusting marriages and and haven't often haven't been given the best of best advice. And so they're often not able to get a loan. They'll have a sum of money, not able to get a loan. And about four or five years ago, I discovered the joy of Airbnb. Okay. So I started using it just to plug the holes in my um, project. So if I needed to wait, we were doing a lot of apartment renovations. So if I needed to wait for approval, I'd just put guests in there. Now, yes, we do get approval to do that. I never do anything that's going to be illegal or controversial. Um, and um, But then I realised, so I put, a, put together a program because I thought my students have got to know about this because it's flipping amazing. And one of my students went to one of those buildings in Brisbane that's got, um, you know, a, that's sort of flailing because of the, the, the loss of uh, value in apartments in Brisbane. Brisbane. And over a um, period of about 13 months, she actually rented 18 apartments, one at a time, and um, relisted them on Airbnb and built an income of a seven-figure income in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Okay. So then I thought, okay, of course, I, I helped her with it, but I, I realised, okay, so this is a game changer because someone who is struggling to get a loan can set up a business it's like I've, I've got a bit of a formula you can get around get up to um, 10,000 a month with five well-chosen properties you get you rent them and then you manage them now that's where the skill comes because you need to manage them really well and um, if you hold that for two years then you can take those figures to your mortgage broker and um, so that gives someone income where they haven't got an income, gives them serviceability, and it's not that hard to do. Yeah, yeah. cool. You like that idea? Yeah, yeah. That's that's it's a very interesting perspective on that. Um, and and again, not without its risks as well. But no. as you say, it's that strategy, and I think that's where so many people fail in property, or they get burnt once and go, no, doesn't work, never going to do it again. Versus going everything has risks and it's about how do we manage it? Exactly. Now, I think part of that, and I'd love your opinion on this is I've talked to some of um, my contacts about investing in property and they'll say, Oh, that house just doesn't have the right feel. It didn't, I didn't, didn't feel right to me. How do you separate the emotion from the business? Cause really what you're talking about, it's business. It's like yeah. what you to do the business. Yeah. How, how do you get people to, to separate from that? Um, to be honest with you, I tend to be more on the emotional side. Um, however, I've never really been overly attached to houses. Like I tend to think it's what happens in the house that makes it the home. Um, I guess probably one of the ways, if I have someone that's um, making poor decisions about property, I have some uh, buyers agents who are trained in our processes 
who can source property for them. I personally think if you, that's, you're that way inclined, it's until you've done a few projects and you've got, you've got present to the, um, I guess, the need to be more strategic than emotional, it's quite a difficult thing to overcome. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's shift away from property. Now yeah. let's talk about uh, Bernadette and her school. Yeah. One thing to run the property and develop the property and manage the Airbnbs and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you're obviously looking to how do I source people into my school, educate them, make them successful. So they talk about going. So what have been some of the key learnings for you in that part of your business? Because that's very different to trying to organize tradies to come over and, and that sort of stuff. So, um, okay. So I started from a very low base. When I decided to go down this path, I could not be doing what I'm doing now. I could not be talking to you uh, as I am because I was absolutely panic-stricken about um, public speaking. At the time, I was the chairperson of a board of people that I knew really well. And on my first, you know, maiden speech, I had to make it sitting down and I I had tears running down my face the whole time. I was that bad. So um, I guess the first step for me has been putting myself out there, learning to be able to speak articulately in front of a crowd of people and um, basically learning everything, like learning social media, learning marketing. Um, And I I think I probably fell into the biggest big mistake that a lot of people do of thinking that I had to do everything and get everything right. And as a result, you don't do anything well. Uh, and so I've now got way more focused about, um, you know, how I approach my business. Yeah. How many are on your team? I have one, two, three, four. Okay. Yeah. So two VAs yep. and um, two myself and, and one other part-time um, person. Yeah. Right. Um, and so what's your vision for the School of Renovating? Where do you, where do you want it to, to get to? So um, in terms of numbers, I don't know whether this is a good or a bad thing, but I'm not overly ambitious about numbers. Like I don't want to have thousands of people and that might be being quite stingy. Um, but I'm really, I, like I really want to have, um, have a service that, um, that provides Um, women with the capability to step out of their circumstances or step out of where they are and live a full and meaningful life and and I guess I want to be able to do that while being able to live a full and meaningful life myself so I don't want to work um, seven days a week I don't work seven days a week so I guess my vision is that I have two programs I have the core program and then I have a mastermind program called Wonder Women and my vision for those is that they um, I guess that they deliver what they set out to do yeah fantastic I love your approach of I want this to be successful and I'm not measuring it by numbers yes Um, and I think often people get confused with between big and successful yeah Uh, yeah yeah, that's superb. I, just before you go on with that, I in the, that in itself can be a problem because I'll, 
you probably know that some people buy training and do nothing about it. And for me, that just wasn't acceptable. And I, I was feeling like that makes me feel like a failure. So it's something I've had to get over because some people just don't do, do the work. And there are so many training junkies out there who flit from, you know, conference to conference to whatever, spending all this money, but do nothing. And un unfortunately, you can support them. But if they don't, if they don't take the action, it's hard. Exactly. Yeah. Bernadette, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about your school and renovating an Airbnb, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Okay, so the best way is to come over to www.schoolofrenovating.com and just pop your name in the contact um, form and send me a message and I would love to work with you or even just if you want a bit of advice, I'm always there. The other thing is I have a podcast of my own called She Renovates. So, yeah. Great. So, schoolofrenovating.com or have a, have a search for She Renovates and that is yes. the way to get in touch. Superb. Uh, and in fact, it's theschoolofrenovating.com. So, make sure when you're typing it in, it's theschoolofrenovating.com uh, and then or head to She Renovates as a podcast. Bernadette, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome, Warwick. Thank you so much for having me on. I've loved it. Excellent. It's been a great pleasure to have you. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I've been your host, Warwick Merry. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. GetMoreSuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success. <laughs>